There was a fireman who was telling a kindergarten class what to do in case of a fire. He said, first go to the door and feel the door to see if it's hot. And then he said, fall to your knees. Does anyone know why you ought to fall to your knees? And predictably, one of the children said, sure, to start praying to God to get us out of here. Actually, the air's better down below. Predictably, though, because as Jesus himself pointed out, children are great examples of faith. Faith is the common link between these three lessons. Habakkuk, the righteous, shall live by faith. Timothy is told to continue in the faith, learn from his mother and grandmother. And today we also celebrate the role of women in nurturing and developing faith and discipleship. The disciples in the gospel in verse 5 ask, Lord, increase our faith. Although most Christians recognize that faith is essential to being saved, because people understand the word differently, it's a good idea when the opportunity arises to look at what this word is all about. The more so when at the end of this month we will celebrate once again the Reformation. That's when the fact that we are saved by faith alone was shouted loudly and clearly for all the world to hear. The Old Testament lesson gets right to the heart of the matter. The context for faith is sin. Habakkuk complains about violence, injustice, wrong, strife, and destruction. He lived in the last days of the kingdom of Judah. This prepares him to receive a word from God, so he goes up to watch. Faith already shows his openness to receiving God's word, and it does not disappoint. He's given a message. If it seems slow, wait for it. It shall surely come. The righteous shall live by faith. But what if you don't see violence and destruction all around? What if your life, like so many people's, is pretty smooth sailing? I suppose we could say that every life has enough annoyances to bring us to our knees in acknowledgement that we depend upon God. The minister woke up on the wrong side of the proverbial bed that morning. First, his alarm didn't go off, and he overslept. And then he cut himself while shaving. He burned his toast at breakfast. He couldn't find his briefcase. And then on his way to work, he was caught for speeding. And when the police officer came over to check his license, the minister growled, what a day. What else could go wrong? The officer smiled. I understand, buddy. I had days like that before I became a Christian. But this is to misunderstand life and faith both. Faith is not an insurance policy against the minor annoyances of life, like traffic tickets. 
It is not even designed by God to get you through the big-time violence, injustice, wrong, strife, and destruction. At least that's not the basic reason for it. The problem is sin, which drives a wedge between God and us, and it is the function of God's law to show us that we are all in the same situation, regardless of whether life has been good to us or bad, or our lives have themselves been good or bad. The mystery of the message ready to be revealed is that God accepts us in spite of our circumstances, no matter how good or bad they have been or we have been. The question becomes whether that acceptance of God is going to work itself out in our lives in any meaningful sort of way. It is all grace, and because that is true, we can't bring peace and security to our lives, even by being brave and loyal when violence, injustice, wrong, strife, and destruction press us hard. It is going to happen because that is God's plan for us, unless we steadfastly refuse to let it happen in our hearts, minds, and life. It's going to happen because that is God's plan for us, and that's the message that he sends through prophets like Habakkuk and apostles like Paul. About the worst we can do is fail to believe it, fail to trust it, which of course won't make it untrue. It just means that we're not going to have a very good time while we slog through the press through life pressed hard by violence, injustice, wrong, strife, and destruction, which Habakkuk complains about. And we may lose out. Life for us will not seem much like the wedding party God decided to throw for his son. An elderly lady had never ridden in an airplane, and her grandson finally persuaded her to take a flight. With fear and trembling, she agreed. And after a short flight, the plane landed. And as she deplaned, the grandson asked cheerfully, how did you like the flight? Well, she unenthusiastically replied, I went up in the plane, but I never, never let my weight down during the whole flight. Some people are like that in their relationship with God. Although he will get them to their goal, they will continue to push down on the armrests and even flap their arms as if that made a difference. The point is, as far as faith goes, believe that you are in good hands and you will enjoy the flight. Faith, far from being a work that we do, is a new attitude, if you will, a new orientation, a makeover that God's Spirit performs upon us. Trust. It means I'm no longer directed in life by my own achievements. I'm no longer focused on myself, justifying myself as I merrily go on my own way. I'm now focused on what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. I now live my life out of Christ, as Paul says in Galatians, guided and directed by his spirit. As the LWML pledge says 
in fervent gratitude for the Savior's dying love and his blood-bought gift of redemption, we dedicate ourselves to him with all that we are and have. For this to happen, it's necessary also to have faith in a different sense. The faith, that is, what we believe. The epistle lesson helps us to make the jump. In it, St. Paul moves from sincere, that is, genuine faith, which he knows Timothy has, which lives in him, Paul's phrase, wonderful figure of speech for the active thing that saving faith is. Paul moves on to talk about the gospel and the, quote, pattern of sound teaching, the good deposit entrusted to you. Here we talk about the things that faith believes about God in Christ. Here it is that faith becomes based on knowledge. And without the knowledge that we confess in the creeds, for instance, about who Jesus is, etc., how would it be possible to act in life on what God has done for us by grace? This is why we place such an enormous importance on Bible study, confessing the creeds and our Reformation heritage. There is the call to us, as well as to Timothy, to guard it. Guard the truth that has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The third lesson from the Gospel of Luke 17 leads us to consider what the faith we have, the trust in God based on our knowledge of the faith given to us in his word by the Spirit, leads us to consider what that faith will now do if it is an active, living thing. Jesus, moving ever closer to Jerusalem in this part of Luke, speaks to his disciples about what that faith will do about what it means to follow him along the way. One, faith must be responsible in its actions toward others. Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to him by whom they come. Since the pattern of faith comes from others, as we saw in the case of Timothy, that means an awesome responsibility is put on us not to lead others astray. We are to be the same kind of example for others as Christ is for us. Two, faith must be forgiving. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. This must be true. If, as the Lord's Prayer constantly reminds us, we expect to be forgiven by God and his kingdom, why then we too must forgive others. How can I have faith in Jesus if I am unwilling to be like him? Third, faith must also be bold in its actions in this world. So Jesus uses a striking example. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this sycamine tree, be rooted up and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Faith as a grain of mustard seed will move the black mulberry tree that has roots which the rabbis said would take 600 years to untangle. 
Faith cuts through the knots and difficulties life puts in the way. In one incident in the movie Patton, the general was planning an attack on a German stronghold and he needed air support, which required good weather. He commanded his officer, get me the chaplain. And incidentally, the chaplain's prayed for, prayer for clearing skies was answered. Sometimes others have an even stronger idea of what we can accomplish through faith than we do. If we truly trust God to take care, then we will leave it up to him to care, to do exactly what he says he will. And last of all, faith must remain humble before God. Does the master thank the servant because he did what was commanded, Jesus says? So you also, when you have done all that is commanded you, say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done what is our duty. If we are indeed saved by grace, our attitude must constantly be, we have only done our duty. We have all kinds of relationships in life that involve obligations. We have duties to our family, our church, our neighbor, our employer, our nation, these duties are the basic factors in human relations. They are so basic that we are expected to fulfill them without patting ourselves on the back and thinking that we are great for doing so. In other words, if you take care of your family, don't expect a write-up in Life magazine if it's still around. It's your duty. Don't expect a thank you card if you pay your taxes or put money in a parking meter. It is your duty. Don't expect, a <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't run over anybody for 10 years while driving, don't expect the traffic department to send you a medal. It's your duty to drive safely. Don't expect rewards for doing what it is your duty to do in any area of life. Jesus is saying that doing our duty is the foundation of our life here in this world. We haven't even started to build unless we are settled on that. Everyone demands their rights, but they dodge their responsibilities. They fight for their rights, but flee from those responsibilities. Why? Because duty is hard and no one thanks you for it. The duty of morality does not make anyone a hero. It is just the expected thing for someone who lives responsibly. And yet we will do our duty gladly, for that is the very nature of faith, to rely solely on God, because he is the very center of our lives, to trust in him alone, and gladly to serve him forever. God grant it. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, through life everlasting.